Good morning, church family. I'm excited to be getting to share with you this morning. We've had some great preaching lately, haven't we? Man, I was just thinking back in my mind and going back several weeks to when Dean preached, uh, sort of after we heard from the elders this, this mission, which is to love God and serve others and share Jesus, which I just, I love that. It's, it's simple. I like simple things. And so it's not simple in the concept, right? But it's boiled down and in a very easy way to remember for me, at least. Easier said than done, right? But Dean preached on what do you want? And not just what do you, hey, I, I want a new car. I want a raise. I want to, no, what do you really want? He talked about, I can't even sum up. He did a great job of talking about what do we really want to do in this life? What do we really the cross has a final word, so what are we here for? And he did a great job of summing that up. And then Keith Bain talked about family, talked about how this church is a family. And, and it is. I look around this morning, and I think, man, I'm glad to be with family this morning. I'm glad to be with family. And then we had Ryan Hall from the Franklin House of Prayer, and he reminded us why we worship, right? Because God is worthy. Isn't he worthy of our worship? Isn't he worthy every day, not just for a little while on Sunday, not just every once in a while, but isn't he worthy every day of our worship? And then last week, we had Anthony Bill share with us. He must be dropping kids off. I'll look over there for him. I'll talk about him before he gets back in here. Uh, we had Anthony Bill share with us. Man, I went, there. hey, there he is. All right. I was going to talk about you before you got back in here. Uh, and he, uh, he talked about God's sovereignty. And I'll be honest with you, I went back and listened to that lesson again over the week last week. If you, if you weren't here last week, it's real easy to find on our website. Go and find the media section and the sermons, and you can, you can get there if I can figure it out. And, and what, a, what a message that we heard last week. And so the, the, the streak of great preaching is over, thankfully. Uh, today we'll just kind of get through. And then I think Dean is up next week, so we'll get back to some good preaching next week. Um, but I, as, I, as I listened to what Anthony said last week, there are a lot of similarities I have with him. I grew up at a church, the way he talked about things that happened in this room and in this building and with individuals that helped he and his family along the way. And I thought, man, we've got some similarities. I could, if, if you go out this parking lot and we take a ride on Fifth Avenue, what I call Hillsborough Road, you go 12 miles north, you'd come to the Hillsborough Church of Christ where I grew up. And I got a lot of the same type of stories. The one story I don't have is that I have not been on the receiving end of a chewing out by Wayne Howell. So, I, Wayne, I, there's still time, Wayne. I'm confident we can make this happen. So, uh, there'll, be, there'll be a reason, there'll be a time, and I'm sure Wayne will step up. But, uh, but no, but, but seriously, I, I grew up in a church and had the same things happen. Same people stepped up and spoke into my life and helped me at certain points. And I, one of the most memorable, memorable things for me, when I was 12 years old, we had, I, I lived in Franklin at the time, and we had moved from Franklin to Dallas, Texas. My dad had gotten a job in Dallas. I was 12 years old. I was going into the sixth grade, and so we moved to Dallas. We were there for a, a short few months, and then my parents split up. My parents separated, and so I came back to Tennessee with my mom, my brother, my sister, the four of us. We came back to Tennessee with nothing. We came back with nothing. And our, our family and friends at the Hillsborough Church of Christ literally put a roof over our head. 
They put a roof over our head. They made sure not just that it was a roof, but there were, when you opened the kitchen cabinets, there were plates and cups to use. I went into the bedroom that me and my brother would share and opened up the drawer, and there were clothes for me to put on for school the next day. Everything had been thought of and provided. And I want to tell you, when, when the church helps you out, it, in that moment, I don't know if I thought it right that moment, I don't know if I thought it the way that I think it now, but I thought, I want to do this for somebody. I want to make sure that when I'm up, that I'm going to do the same thing for somebody else. I want to make sure when it's my turn to go that that's what I do. Right? Go, go back to our mission for just a minute. Does that sound familiar? Love God. What's the second piece? Serve others. Boy, I've been served in my life. And there's no shame in that. There is no shame in being served, but then turning around and saying, okay, now how do I get to serve? Now what can I do with my life? So I want to, before I start preaching too much, I want to jump into Philippians chapter 2. Because Paul is going to talk about this very thing in Philippians chapter 2. So let's see what he says. I love Paul, Paul, some of Paul's writing. You see a lot of different things come out. First couple of verses here, we're going to see some sarcasm. If you don't, you'll catch it, but I just want to make sure you're looking for it. Listen to what Paul says. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, do you have any encouragement from being united with Christ? Maybe a little bit, maybe a tiny bit, maybe a little comfort in his love. If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Okay, be like Christ is what he's saying. He's going to go further, but he's already saying, hey, if you get any, any joy, any encouragement from Christ, then be like-minded, be like he was. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Think about that for just a minute. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. We're going to come back to verses 3 and 4 in just a minute. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. There's, a, there's another version I was looking at this week that says that as a group, you should, should have the same, knowing this, you should have this, be, the, be the same as Jesus. Not just individually, but as a church, as a family, as a Christians, you should do what Jesus did. And I thought, wow, how powerful is that? Who being in very nature God, talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. You know, the, here's where I think we sometimes... And I, and I said this to somebody earlier. I said, I don't, I don't know if, if this church needs to hear this message this morning. I think we could probably, I, I look around the room and I see people who are willing to help, who serve others. I see people who are full of humility. I see people who answer the call and do what needs to be done. But maybe there's somebody out here who needs to hear this. But I think about humility and I think about serving. And I think about the way the world looks at serving others. And I'm afraid that Sometimes in our culture, when we talk about helping or serving or giving, I'm afraid sometimes it is just used as a resume builder. Look at what I've achieved. Look at what I have. Oh, and by the way, now that I've become great, I'm going to serve some people. There are people who maybe are a little more lowly than me that need me, 
And so, I, and, and we, we, we see companies, we see individuals use this as a way to promote themselves rather than doing what Paul says here and says, consider others better than yourselves. Jesus made himself nothing. If anybody has a resume, if anybody could say, man, hey, I saved the world, right? Look, look at what Jesus did, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Like, we, we get it, Paul. He made himself nothing. He's a servant. No, Paul keeps, he humbled himself. He just keeps on going, describing this. Became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is urging us to live lives of humility. He is urging us to live lives of humility, not because we're great and people who aren't as great as us need our help, but because we're all just alike. We're all the same. No one is better, no one is worse. He says, you need to take a view where you look out not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. What if people hadn't thought, man, that family needs a roof over their head. What does that family need? We would have figured it out maybe. What, what interests can we look out for in each other? What ways can we serve each other? What things can we do? What things do we need? And I think one of the most important things that, that I've thought about, I had a realization this morning. I got to see a beautiful sunrise this morning. And, and I, I just had, had a moment with God. And I thought, what about those of us who need to ask for help? It's not just about being willing to serve, but it's about being willing to say, hey, here's what I need. Can you help me? There's no shame in that. There's no shame in, in being in a position, hey, we need food, we need a meal. We need, we need whatever it is. I need somebody just to talk to. I need a shoulder to lean on. I need an ear to listen. Tell people what you need. I wanna tell you a story about somebody who literally lowered himself to help others. But this story is just as much about those he helped as it is originally, I thought, this story in my mind was just about the, the individual who served. But this morning I thought it's more about the individuals that he served. So I want to go back to 2002, about a year after the attacks in New York on 9-11. So 2002, about a year later, there were 22 special forces troops moving through a valley in Afghanistan. They're, they're in, a, in a mountainous terrain, rocky terrain. It's the middle of the night when it's dark out and they can try to uh, accomplish their mission. And so try, trying to get from point A to point B, trying to accomplish this task that they've been given, 22 of our best troops, and they're moving through this dark valley on a, on a dark stormy night. And there's, there's two, two men up above them in, in, an air, in airplanes. And there's gonna be a picture up of an A-10 Warthog. And this is a plane that is used, and I'm not a military expert, I read a book on leadership a few years ago, and that's where I, I picked up on this story. It's a really cool story, but, but the A-10 Warthog is not a fast airplane. It's not a, not, they don't get in dogfights with other planes in the air. This plane is a slow plane that will offer cover fire for troops on the ground. When troops on the ground are engaged in battle and they're in trouble, this plane comes in and, and gives them some cover fire and helps them out. And so there were two of these planes up above the clouds that night. There was a beautiful moon in the sky, 
the clouds looked like snow beneath, but down under that it was pretty stormy. And so these two pilots are just minding their own business. They're up there just in case these men on the ground need help. And one of them, his call name was Johnny Bravo. And so Johnny Bravo is in his cockpit. He's just enjoying a beautiful night up in the sky. But he's listening over the radio, and he doesn't like what he's hearing. He's hearing some uneasy, he, he senses uneasiness that these 22 troops on the ground have. And so he says to his partner, he says, hey, you stay up here. I'm going to go down and get a look at what's going on down below us. And so he literally lowers himself down. He, he points the nose of his plane down. He's getting ready to go down through these clouds. And if you've been on a flight, you know, where there's a little bit of turbulence, just multiply that for what he's about to go through to get through these clouds, to get down where he can see his troops. But right as he points the nose of his plane down, right as he's ready to go check out what's going on, he hears three words over the radio, troops in contact. And what that means is, hey, we're, being, we're in a battle now. We're being fired at. We've met the enemy here. They found us, and, and here we go. So Johnny Bravo gets down through the clouds. He, he bangs around and thrashes his plane through there. And when he gets underneath the cloud cover, he's now less than 1,000 feet off the ground because that's how low he had to go to get under the clouds. There are cliffs on either side of him, and he's, he's in a valley. And when he gets through these clouds, he sees tracer fire which are the lights that follow the bullets the enemy is firing from all sides firing on those 22 troops down in the middle of this valley they are literally surrounded by the enemy fire coming from all sides so Johnny Bravo starts to lay down cover fire for him he starts firing at the enemy and he knows he's got six seconds before he has to pull his plane up out of this valley or he's going to smash into the side of the mountain so he counts in his head one one thousand two one thousand all the way to six and he pulls his plane up straight up through the clouds out of this valley and he hears over the radio as he pulls up good hits good hits that means he's done his job so he circles that plane around as quick as he can and he drops it back down in that valley through those clouds and he starts laying down more cover fire and he does, counts to six in his head and he pulls up again over the radio good hits good hits so Johnny continues to do this until he runs out of ammunition he runs out of ammunition he goes to his partner who's just circling above and he says, you need to come, just follow me, stay right by my plane. You lay down cover fire. I will count. I will tell you when to pull up. And so they continue flying next to each other to go down into this valley. They can't see anything except for this tracer fire. They lay down fire. They circle back around. And they do it until they're out of ammunition and their troops have made it safely back to base. And so that night, 22 men, 22 of our best forces made it home alive because Johnny lowered himself because he put their needs, he put their interests above his own. And somebody asked him the question, they said, hey, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? There's lots of answers to that question, right? I mean, that's his job, right? I mean, it's, it's like you're in a plane that does that. Um, his answer was, well, they would have done it for me. They would have done the same thing for me, which is a great answer. I think it goes a little further than that. He actually gave an interview later if you Google A-10, Warthog, Johnny Bravo, what, you, you can find all this stuff. But, but what he said later was, you know, there's some things worse than going home alive. And that is going home alive knowing that 22 other men didn't because you didn't do your job. And I thought that right there is the definition of humility, isn't it? I mean, that is humility. <sighs> he put their interests above his own. He said, I'm not going to let something happen to them. It'd be real comfortable. It's a beautiful night. The moon is shining. The clouds are below me. There's just nothing going on up here in the sky. But there are people who I'm going to put above myself. 
And that's what he did. He decided to, to put their interests first. And the, the very words of Paul, each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Lower yourself to look out for others. Ask for help when you need it. These are, these are two things that I know, it's, it sounds so simple, and as I say it, I go, man, this is not that easy. I get real caught up in <laughs> what Will Baxter is interested in. A lot of people in this room would say, yeah, they would agree with that. I, I, and I have to remind myself, right? All right, all right, it's not about me. It's not about me. The other thing that I'm not good at, that I'm telling you to do, is asking for help. Man, I just want to, I'll just, I'll figure it out. I'll work it out. And then I'm reminded when I ask for help, boy, things go a lot smoother. Boy, I can get a lot more done. There are some things that you just literally can't do on your own. But maybe one or two people, man, you can get the job knocked out quick. All right, I want us to look at, uh, at Timothy. While we're looking at, at some, some of Paul's literature, we're going to look at 1 Timothy here in just a minute. And a couple of things that come out of 1 Timothy, uh, one of the themes is that... Um, the, the gospel of 1 Timothy leads to practical, visible change in, in the lives of those who believe it. Okay, the, 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 the letter to Timothy, if you read it, and I, I believe this, it will lead to practical, visible change in the lives of those who believe it. And again, I look at this room, and I look at individuals, and I look at groups of people in here, and I see that. This is not, this is not one of those, and, I, and I'm, again, I, I kind of second with Anthony. This is not a sermon. This is just family talk right here. I look around and I, this is not one of those, I don't see the change, you need to change. This is, man, family, I see it. If you haven't seen it in our foyers and in the, the ministries that we support, leaving the cocoon, Franktown, Graceworks, it's, it's changed our lives. This, this gospel, this, the, the cross has the final say, right? Keith talked about it when he made announcements. Jesus is it, he changes our lives. He's everything. And so listen to what Paul says. He says this, command those, this is, he's talking to Timothy and saying, this is what you need to tell this church you're with. Command those who are rich in this present world, which by the way, I don't want to get into an argument with you this morning, but you're rich, okay? I, come talk to me afterwards if you disagree. I really want to have a friendly, friendly discussion about that. And I know, I know, but Will, but, but look at the neighborhood we drive by on the way home. I, I know, I drive by it too. But Will, look at, the, look at the cars in the park. When I pull up to work, you should see what other, I know, I, I know, I know. They, but, but Will, look at what, yeah, yeah, I see all that. I get all that. Didn't say you're the richest, but we're rich, okay? Let's, let's agree or, or come talk to me. So this is us right here. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. It's another reminder, man, wealth is uncertain. It can feel certain. It can feel solid. It can feel like a good thing. It's, it's not a bad thing inherently, but don't put our hope in it. But command them to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that awesome? God provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I, Jesus even talks about that. He says, you guys, you, know, you think you give good gifts to your kids. Imagine what God wants for you. Imagine what God has in store for you. Imagine how God wants to bless you. 
imagine what God has for us. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. He literally tells us what to do right here. I mean, it's that simple. Verse 18, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Be rich, be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. I think I can get on board with that. I think I know what that looks like, actually. I think I've experienced that when I was 12 years old and before I was 12 and after I was 12 and even today, right? Man, and isn't it cool to get to be on the other side of that? I need to be looking for that 12-year-old, right? Looking for that 19-year-old, looking for that 28-year-old who is in need. And maybe, no, maybe he's not wearing it on his arm. Maybe he doesn't, hey, I need help, I need help over here. But you can recognize it, right? You see it sometimes. If you ask God, man, God, show me where I can help. Show me how I can serve. Show me how I can lower myself and consider others' interests the same as my own. And he'll show you. Sometimes you may not even know you did it, actually. That's, that's the cool part is sometimes you don't even know. Later on, you go home and you go, oh, that's what that was. Man, it wasn't even, it didn't feel like a sacrifice. It actually blessed me as much as it blessed them. So do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. And he says this, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Man, this isn't even it. This isn't even it right here. We're, we're working to get towards the life that is truly life. We forget that. He reminds us, just be generous. Just share. It's, it's not some, some amazing thing. That's another thing I came across. This isn't, Paul, Paul doesn't give some, some magical formula, some recipe that only a few of us can do to reach a certain spiritual status, to get in a stratosphere you know, this isn't to become like the Tom Brady of Christians, right? To have seven or eight rings on your finger. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, every one of us can do this. Who in here has the ability to serve? I think we all do. That's the ticket. Humility, serving others, sharing Jesus, going back to our mission. We can all do it. It's not for a chosen few. It's for every single one of us to do. So I wanted one other phrase that, that really jumped out to me this week as we talk about being rich is this phrase right here. I want us to, to think about what it means. I want you to think about what it means to live in your giftedness. Think about what it means to live in your giftedness. If we're rich in good deeds, we, re, we remember that this is about life that is truly life. It's not about right here, right now. Now that's how, that's this, this right here right now is important and it helps us store up treasures for life that is truly life so how do we live in our giftedness I look around this room I think about people that are that are here and and how they do this I think man one of the keys is this it's about relationships right it's about putting in the work of having relationships having meaningful relationships beyond hey did you watch the game yesterday what'd you think man that running back is man he's got moves that's okay to talk about but let's have some relationships that go beyond that to where we can then say, hey, 
the game was great, but I need to tell you about something else that's going on. I need your help with something. Living your giftedness, it may mean, hey, okay, I've been through a certain thing, and now I have expertise in that area, and I can help others when they go through the same thing. We've got people that do that. I think one of my favorite ones, and, and, and they're not here. I was going to pick on them a little bit. But, man, the Helgesons, I just admire their faith. I don't know if they're watching. They normally sit right down here. And I just admire their faith because if I'm honest, there are times where I look at certain people and where they are in their life, and I go, man, how can they change? This is just me being honest with you. I go, how can they change? And the Helgesons look at that and they go, <laughs> Jesus can change that life. Jesus can completely turn that life around. And they have the faith to, to live in that giftedness to say, hey, we're going to, we're just going to just come and show up and we're going to let God do the rest. That's faith right there. That is living in giftedness saying, I don't know how this is going to work out and I don't know how to do it all and I don't know what the finished product is going to be, but I'm just going to offer it up and live in my giftedness and let Jesus do the rest of it. Man, figure out how to live in your giftedness. It's, it's different for all of us. It might be taking people hunting, right? It might be taking somebody fishing, Right? It, it could be anything. Maybe you know how to do woodwork. Maybe you've, you've got a, a, a shop where you build things. Bring some guys in. Let them get those splinters in their hands. Jesus was a carpenter, wasn't he? So bring them into that workshop. Get those hands splintered and calloused. Right? Aren't there ways we can live in our giftedness without having to preach, right? <laughs> Here I am. Uh, I'll do the hunting one. I'm going to sign up for that one. So I want to I tell you one more story, and in just a minute we'll, we'll wrap up. But I, uh, I, came, I came across a video several years ago on YouTube, and if you want to look this up. If you, if you go on YouTube and search Battle at Kruger, there was somebody on a safari at Kruger National Park in South Africa. This was years ago. And I'm going to tell you the real short version of this. I told a version of this to our college group, but I'll tell you a real short version of this story. Some lions had, there were some, some caped buffaloes going down to a river to get some water and some lions were able to single out a calf and I, you don't realize it's a calf until you see the other buffaloes because it's huge but they single out a calf they separate it from the pack and they surround it and tackle it and four lions have this thing pinned down in the ground and you're going well that's uh, that's the circle of life i guess right there was my first thought that's that sad and then the camera pans out it's zoomed in on this thing and then it pans out and there is a line as far as the eye can see of caped buffaloes walking shoulder to shoulder just slowly intentionally walking towards this pack of lions this is putting other interests above your own they get closer they get closer and they finally get from about me to this third row right here and a couple of those buffaloes get nervous and they kind of peel off to the side and come back in behind the group but it takes one of those buffaloes he finally lowers his big horns down he charges and he throws a lion in the air. I mean, this thing flips through the air and lands, and it is gone. About that time, these, uh, some of the other buffaloes charge. Two of the other lions run. Another one gets flung in the air. And these buffaloes that are shoulder to shoulder, they separate just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just enough for this calf to stand up, sleep in between two of them, and then boom, they're shoulder to shoulder again and nothing is getting in. And I came away from watching that video going, wow, God, that's your church right there. 
that is a picture of what the church should look like, is it not? When we live lives of humility, when we love God, when we serve others, Mark, you bring your team on up. When we live lives of humility, that is what the church looks like. We circle up, we meet whatever needs are, avail- are here, whatever needs we have, and we're here to do that today. That's not something we need to start a month from now. That's not something we need to have a meeting about and talk about how to do it. That's something that you turn around to somebody, you come across the room when you make eye contact with somebody you know, somebody you need to share something with, and that's something we're here to do. And again, going back to worship, not just on Sundays for a little while, that's a life that we live. That's a lifestyle that we have. As a family, we can stand in this room and truly say we're family, and that's what we want. So we're going to sing one last song and close together. And just want to encourage you, live lives of humility. We love God. We serve others. And if we do those two things, it actually gets easier and easier to share Jesus. Thank you for listening.